See? Let's pray. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and uh, we... Sometimes it's hard to know exactly what to do, Lord. We know as we bring these requests before you that you are working. And yet, there are many times that you've called us into action. Sometimes I ignore you, Lord. Sometimes I go my own way before you ask me to do things. So Lord, help us to go with you. Help us to, to be patient, but also bold that we move when You want us to move, and that we stand firm and silent when You want us to stand. Help us in our nation, Lord. We have a tremendous opportunity to right some wrongs. And we have been, I believe, in Christian communities, um, both uh, Protestant and Catholic and many others who have stood up for the rights of the unborn, for the reality that, that their life is life, that they are human beings. And we, I believe, Lord, have stood up and cared for those who have had abortions. And we have seen, and not personally, but the ministries that are out there, Lord, now with ultrasounds and even if they make the wrong decision, they're there for counseling and comfort. And, but we have many ministries going in this nation, but we need more. We need more people standing up, Lord. But there's a profound opportunity, Lord, for our nation to repent. And there are many, many who don't see uh, how heinous, how evil it is to end the life. Of a, of a child, even a child that's born. There's even discussion of, of infant side. So, help us to, to proclaim the truth. Whether it's to boldly shout it out, or if it's to quietly and calmly talk with those who have even opposing, uh, act, activistic opposing views. Help us to know how to engage in discussions to help educate. Lord, you've made it, even with creation, there's more evidence for creation than evolution, but you've made it very evident with all the, the scientific um, implements we have and the studies we've had that life begins in the womb. So help, help us to just get the word out and to help people understand what, what the truth is. Lord, in our own lives, we need you. So as we look at this passage, if, Lord, if it's uh, something that we just look outwardly and say how wrong things are and not look inwardly, we've missed. So help us to evaluate our own lives in this but guide us in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning I was going to originally discuss about the evil one and talk about Satan and pride and what he has done and what he is doing in his future. 
But as I was watching the news on Wednesday during my noon meal, I heard something completely baffling and I believe totally and utterly evil. What I heard was what the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said. Now, now Yellen, <laughs> or the Treasury Secretary, is a member of the President's Cabinet and the Chief Financial Officer of the federal government. She manages the nation's financial system like sustaining economic growth, stabilizing financial institutions, to ward off financial crisis, and to implement the president's fiscal policies. What she said reminded me of 1 Timothy 6.10. And 1 Timothy 6.10 states, and actually to be honest with you, it's one of the lessons I've had this week with several other men as we were studying. So it comes from, because it's fresh on my mind, and it's really we're talking about the love of money, For the love of money is a root of all sorts or all kinds of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, like, oh yeah, well you were studying that. That's why that came to mind. You know, we we hope and pray that the people running the finances of this nation (laughs) would have it all figured out, right? Right? That they would be wise and that they would also be able to follow 1 Timothy 6.6. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. In this nation, I understand there's a lot of financial problems, financial things that, that, that needs handled and taken care of and people in need. Which I believe it's the church's responsibility to reach out with a lot of, for those in need, for a lot of those who are in need. Yet back in verse 10, we find that if we have the love of money, it can lead to all sorts of evil. There, there is one, maybe multiple evil things that Janet Yellen addressed. And, and so the news clips were, were not about the financial strain we face today, but this is what she said. Okay, There's little snippets that I want to quote to you. Access to reproductive health care, including abortion, helped lead to increased labor force participation. It enabled many women to finish school. That increased their earning potential. In another clip, she said, I believe that eliminating the rights of women to make decisions about when and whether to have children would have, been, would have very damaging effects on the economy and would set women back for decades. Now, I understand her point. Her point is we want to give women the opportunity not to have to raise a child at home if it was an unwanted child, despite all the other birth control methods that are out there today to do away with or kill or murder an unwanted wanted child within the womb and now with two states having brought up even up to 28 days after they're born. I 
So we want to give some the opportunity by extinguishing the lives of others. She argued that, and quote, abortion helped lead to increased labor force participation. It enabled many women to finish school. That increased their earning potential. It's all about the money. It's all about success. It's all about what we want. Where is the sacrifice? Again, quote, in many cases, abortions are of teenage women, particularly low-income and often black, who aren't in a position to be able to care for children, have unexpected pregnancies, and it deprives them of the ability often to continue their education to later participate in the workforce. She went on to say, and, and really we had a, a black Republican senator who, who addressed that, <laughs> But anyway, she goes on to say, so there is a spillover into labor force participation, but it means the children will grow up in poverty and do worse themselves. This is not harsh. This is the truth. And so because it might be difficult for the children because of low income, therefore we have the right, hey, let's not give them that option, that opportunity to live that life. We don't want them to struggle through life maybe having to work hard or watch their... Their parents shouldn't have to work hard to have their children uh, grow up. That's too difficult of a situation, so let's allow them to be killed. And so I just want to say life should never be reduced to economics. And what ties it together here is the love of money or the love for money is the root of all kinds of evil. And I believe this, her coming forward was a great illustration of one of the kinds of evil that comes out because even a nation, not just an individual, thinks that success or money is a key issue. Right? Maybe I'm missing something. It is heinously evil. Oh, there's other clips of people going on and talking about how, you know, well, if, we have, if, they, if they get rid of Roe v. Wade and people can't have abortions, then the state should be able to pay or the state should pay for their education, pre-K education, as well as give us food for them to eat. Okay, so the reasoning goes, unless others pay for my child, I should be able to kill my child. That's a little harsh, isn't it? I said it harshly. I hope, I hope you get the point. It's, it's, it's estimated that 63 million babies have been aborted since Roe v. Wade in 1973. Over 35 million would now be in the workforce if they had not been aborted. She didn't take that into account. How many new ideas, how many great people are not with us because of abortion? 
The point here is that in my lifetime, having been born in 1976, there has been the the continuation of a battle against evil, against the, the mass murder of babies. And this battle has been waged, uh, I believe we've waged it with grace to those involved. And it must be, and not always, I understand that. And it must be waged with discussion as well as debate, but it must be a battle that we participate in it. And this battle may just be, it may just be starting again. If, in fact, what was leaked is true, and praise the Lord, there is no constitutional right to an abortion. So it'll go back to the states, which means... As you look at New York and California, there will be abortion states. So the battle will continue where pregnancy centers who try to point women to the fact that these are living humans are going to have to fight even harder because there will be women who go to those states for abortions. But the battle has to be waged. And it has to be waged in our own lives, not just on the issue of abortion, but how serious is sin in our life? Why is this an issue to begin with? Yes, some of the women are abused in those situations who are seeking abortions. Those are fringe, those are rare. There's also, and So were the men and women who are abusing them. Yes, there are are men who should not be and women, and all of us understand biblically that should not have sex outside of marriage. That's what the Bible says. It is sin. But where are the men? Why aren't the men stepping up and helping these women? But how do we address all of this? First, we have to be people of the Word of God, and we have to stand firm in the Word of God. Stand firm in God's Word, opposed to all kinds of evil, not just abortion. What are we fudging on? Where else are we saying, oh, that's okay? Our society's doing it. That's okay. So how does this look? Let's let's discuss a three-step action plan. And yes, specifically, I'm thinking of the issue of abortion. And I think you have out there saying, well, you know, those those Bible-thumping extremists, they're going to do some bad stuff. Well, the bad stuff that's happening right now are coming from those who have been blinded by Satan to the reality of the, how evil abortion is. Even marching into uh, some churches, burning some women's resource centers. That is not what we're called to do, is it? We are not called to engage in this battle in that way. 
first, the first step that we must take is to know the value of all things. To know the value of the mom. To know the value of the people who are activists who are coming against uh, the judges or the the pro-life stance. To know the value of all involved as well as the babies. We need to know the value of life. Life is precious. Life is precious. Isn't it? And some may see me as somewhat callous growing up on a little farm and being involved with animals all my life. I want you to understand I have seen and had been have had to be a part of or been the only one in helping that animal move on to the beyond, to say it lightly. <laughs> a few times crudely. And as I have, I know that even the life of an animal is precious. So much more is human life. We must value every day that the Lord gives us and seek to help others to know how precious this life is. Look at Psalm 139.16. Would you turn there with me? Psalm 139, verse 16. And as we look at this verse, I want you to see how, va- how we must value every human life and how we must not allow others to minimize or, de- or devalue any person. Look at Psalm 139.16. Psalm 139.16 says, Your eyes, whose eyes? The Lord's, the God of the Bible, God our Creator, Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. There's a beginning, and someday we will be ushered into eternity. There's an end of this earthly life. And for the believer, we know this is just but a breath, a vapor, and then we're to something greater. But it's oh so valuable, this life that we have now. And so we need to engage in pointing to other people that this is important, that we understand how precious our life and our time on this earth is. But we must not allow anyone to minimize or devalue any person. That is, what happened to the Jews and the undesirables in Germany based off of a the false premise of what we would call eugenics off of a horrible, horrible, false or wrong assumption, scientific theories, not facts, but theories of eugenics led to the mass murder of not only the Jews, but those who were handicapped in varieties of ways. What did they do? Economics also led to that. You know, when they, before they started, the Nazis got in power. After World War I, they struggled economically. So we say, well, there's a lot of other factors, not just, not just eugenics that, 
led them to be willing to do what they did. What they did, therefore, was to dehumanize and say those, they, they're really not human. They're really not human. The Jews, they're not human. It's okay. We can do that. We can extinguish their lives. What do we do today? The baby is not really a human. That life really does not matter. And that's one of their arguments today. Listen to some of the news, right? But life is precious. Do not let anyone dehumanize any human being. And it happened in the United States as a nation and as a society. Any nation and society can do that, right? In order to be able to enslave them or destroy them. But today we have science is on our side. Science really was against eugenics as well. True science. Not only do we understand from the Word of God that, that life is precious, but we also need to understand what it teaches about how we're made in the image of God. In Mago Day, that's the image of God. In Genesis 1, 26 or 28, will you turn back there with me? And you should be very familiar with this. You should understand this passage, maybe even you know, remember this passage, I guess, is what I meant to say, and also have it memorized. But Genesis 1, 26 through 28, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and it goes on, talks about our responsibilities as included because we are the image of God. But go to Genesis 9, verse 6. In Genesis 9, we see the establishment of government, and therefore government in the sense of saying, hey, if you extinguish the life of a human being which is made in the image of God, there are consequences, and we are going to deal with you accordingly. And so in Genesis 9, 6, God says, whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. Okay? There should be justice, for in the image of God, he made man. It's not just because life is precious, all life is precious, but because human beings are made in the image of God and to destroy uh, or desecrate um, That image is a capital offense. Babies in the womb are made in the image of God. And God views the baby in the womb as a living human being. Psalm 139, verse 13 and 19. We were just there, weren't we? I should have had you keep your finger there. But Psalm 139, verses 13. And 19. For you were formed, or for you formed, sorry, for you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. Verse 16. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. I think you should be familiar with these verses. These verses point to the reality of life within the womb, including Exodus 21. 
Exodus 21, 22 through 25. I'm not going to turn there, but it points to how a fetus, a baby within the womb, has the same value and rights and therefore penalty for harming it as any other human being. And it goes on, you know, if it is harmed, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, which points to the, it should fit the crime. The penalty should fit the crime. And affecting a woman who is pregnant, even if she wasn't the target within a fight between two men, should be a penalty. There should be justice for affecting the baby's life as well as the woman's. But we see all kinds of evil today because of the love of money, career success, and it is reasoned away. And you tell a lie long enough and people will believe it. That baby does not matter. That baby is not really living. That baby cannot sustain itself. Therefore, even it has been stated in arguments against uh, pro-life for abortion that really that baby is the enemy. It's kind of like uh, a tick or a mosquito. You know, that just sucking the blood out of you to live. It's a parasite. Not putting those words, but if you listen out to the converse, or the argument and the debate, that's what it breaks down to. But one, you know, it's one sort or one kind of evil. It's not the only one. But we see from the mouth of the the sitting United States Treasury Secretary that we must allow abortion so that our economy will not be negatively affected and so that women can have the, the lives that they want. Gone are the days of sacrifice, right, for families. Gone are the days where having babies and family are a blessing and just as or more important than financial gain. Another point she made is that no one should be born and have to live in poverty. One of the richest nations in the world, even our poorest people have food. But man, nobody should suffer. So we should end their life. Lord forbid. What have we become? Where have we come? Where have we got to? But we must know life is precious and we need to stand firm on the Word of God and know what the Word of God says. The second step in the action plan is to live for what is valuable. And let's go back to this, you know, try to tie in. You know, I'm using 1 Timothy 6. Follow along as I, as I read verse 6 through 12. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 12. We need to live for what is valuable. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into this world so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. That did not say a fancy house, a good car. It said if we have food and covering. With these we shall be content. But those who want to get rich 
fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. And I believe it's plunging our nation into ruin and destruction. Verse 10, for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. It's not money is a root of all sorts of evil. The love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But the but flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And so again, this is, I never mentioned this, but this is to Timothy from Paul. Timothy, a godly man, a leader within the church. But he's telling him, hey, put what should be first, first. Put the Lord first. Put the Lord first. Love Him. Seek Him. You know, you could go to Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40. And when Jesus was asked uh, by, uh, can we go to the next slide, Josh? Thanks. When Jesus was asked, uh, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Not to love money, right? Not to love the things of this world, but to love the Lord. And then to love your neighbors. To value human life. To value and put first the Lord God. To love Him first and seek after the Lord, not after sports, not after uh, a great uh, ranch or a farm or business, but to put the Lord first and seek after Him. Those things may come, but what matters is growing in Him. What matters is what is eternal. We are to be content in all things, but to put the Lord first. Godliness with contentment. We need to remember not only to put the Lord first, but we also see that eternity is forever. Eternity is forever. This life is but brief. And therefore, we need to proclaim the gospel in this battle to save precious life. There is eternal death, which is forever, right? Condemnation. And there's eternal life, which is forever. Where are we storing our treasures? In heaven? We need to know what is valuable and to live for that, right? And that is the Lord and for eternity. You know, uh, this, earlier this week I heard, you know, Bitcoin's dropping. It's like, well, what do we invest in this time? If you have money, it could be a great opportunity and invest things that may make it through, right? If it makes it through. <laughs> Those who invested thousands of dollars in Bitcoin, their shares are now like a dollar. So it'd be, you know, Buy low, sell high. Be a good time to invest in it if it li- if it survives, right? It should, right? Maybe some of those fringe e-commerce things won't make it, but who knows? Anyway, even gold can get lost, even if you buy gold, right? Hide it out in the yard, and then then you pass away, and your family never finds it, right? 
until 100 years later. But the greatest investment is in eternity and the lives of those around us in our community, warning them and, and sharing with them the gospel. We need to save lives physically, but most definitely point them to Jesus Christ. Spiritual, give them the ability to look to Jesus and live and to have spiritual life. So we have to stand firm on God's word, opposed to all kinds of evil, which means that first we know what's valuable, then we live for what's valuable, and then we proclaim what is valuable. We proclaim the truth. And this is the last action plan for you today, okay? We need to proclaim the truth. What do we proclaim? All right, you already know. We proclaim what I said at the very beginning. Well, somewhere in there, close to the beginning, because it got a little wordy. Right? Life is precious. Every life matters. Every human life matters. You understand, though, that those for abortion against uh, the pro-life movement believe that they have the moral high ground. They call what is bad good and what is good bad. What's the moral high ground? The Word of God, and that's why we go back and we've got to know what is valuable. The Word of God is a high ground, the moral high ground. What do we believe? It better come from here. Anything opposed to it is wrong. Anyone choosing otherwise... Right? Anyone choosing another one? Go back to our definition of evil. There's a couple definitions. Is a privation of what is good. Or it is choosing otherwise in the sense of like Adam and Eve chose otherwise. They chose opposite of what God told them to do. Do not choose otherwise. It is evil. Follow the Word of God. All right, kids, I, I'm going to bring in a, you into this conversation. How many of you are going to help me? How many don't really care? Let me put my glasses on before I do that. How many don't care what happens to me? Everybody cares about me? You love me enough that you don't want me to get hurt. Okay? We just went over an action plan. Can I... Right? Action plan. Therefore, you have to do something. Please. Okay? I'm standing up here. I'm going to start this. And somebody, please love me and care for me. I might just mention, if I miss a step, it could hurt. Okay? Oh, I didn't tell you that. If I miss a step, it could hurt. So please take action. All right? It may more than hurt. It could be damaging. Okay? So don't let me step off the stage. All right? So when I look at this passage, you know, it's important. Okay, I can't see. Honestly, I can't see. I'm going to get animated here. It's very important. That we tell others the truth of the gospel. 
If we don't say, whoa. Hey, where are you guys? Hey, you guys. Oh, thank you. You got to be faster. I didn't think I was that close. Whew. Okay, so there's two girls that love me. Enough to come up. But you, hey, speak out. Okay, girl, say, hey, stop. Right? Okay, the point. Action. It may be, hey, let me talk to you. And it may be, stop. You're headed over the cliff. You're headed to hell. I need to tell them about Jesus Christ. It is sin. Anything that we do, think, say, or do that does not please God is sin. Anything that we do specifically, contrary to the word of God, contrary to what God wants is sin, and it leads to what? When we look at this passage here in, in 1 Timothy 6, even believers, when they were led astray by the love of money, but the love of anything contrary to the word of God, it leads them away from their faith. It leads them to destruction. It leads them to for those especially who don't know Jesus Christ, to eternal hell. It leads them, and here it says, pierce themselves with many griefs. Those in verse 10. But there's a love for many things. Are we going to proclaim the truth? First, life is precious, but hey, grace is greater, but we can't tell them about grace. They won't know what grace is if they really don't know what they're headed towards. Right? Well, who cares about grace? I can live how I want. It doesn't matter. I'm, hey, you know, there's no, there's no eternity. It doesn't matter. So just, hey, oh, I love him. I love Pastor Lee, but hey, he's going to break his neck and I'm not going to say a word. It's okay. It's better that way. I want you to understand, I, it doesn't have to be a political debate, but it is. You may not be the one to be engaged in a political debate, okay? But you should be engaged somehow in telling your neighbors and your friends, hey, this is what the Bible says, that all life is precious, that that human, that baby, that baby matters, that is a human life, and to destroy it is to destroy an image of God. Hey, you know, that is sin, not just about abortion, but lying sin. This is sin. Do you know Jesus? There's bad news. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you have not been forgiven, you don't have God's grace. And if you don't have God's grace, you're headed to eternity of suffering for being condemned in your sin. Are we willing to speak up? So it's not just about abortion, okay? Okay. But yes, that should be a crucial discussion and debate that we care about, possibly engaged in. We have ways that we can be engaged in it with the Women's Resource Center, but there's other things happening in our nation, and it's crazy. I did not think I'd ever hear anyone say, oh yeah, it's okay, even 28 days after they're born. I know it hasn't become law, or I don't think it has, but just that it's come forward. So there's a lot of horrendous lies out there that we need to address. 
And are we going to sit there and let them walk off the cliff? God may be calling you just to talk to one person in your life about uh, this issue of abortion. But I believe He's called many of us to discuss with others about His wonderful grace. Uh, There's a lot of other uh, illustrations this week from what people have said, even the Senate trying to pass a federal bill, which is symbolic. It was symbolic, but up to 23 weeks. They want to codify Roe v. Wade. You know, one story I should have shared with you is is one of the neighbors of, of the judge that opened their window and started playing their piano over the shouts of people against the judge. Prayed, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." So whatever's happening in our lives, whatever's going on, are you trusting in Lord Jesus? Are you walking with Him? I think He's called us. We're in a, you know, sometimes growing up you're like, man, it would have been so cool to be in the, the Old West. You know, and and to be there at that time. You know, we're here at this time, and this is a crazy time where we have wonderful opportunities to proclaim the truth of who Jesus is and what God says about how precious life is. Let's pray. Lord, um, you know, there's there's a lot of horrible things that, that you're not surprised by. We ask, Lord, that those who are in the situation that where they're making a decision uh, to extinguish or keep a life within their womb, that they would come in contact with the right people who love them and will share with them the truth of how precious that baby is and how precious their life is. Those who have had uh, children out of wedlock who are struggling, Lord, Bring people, your people, into their life to help and comfort them. Lord, I know there's, there's a lot of people who are willing to adopt. And so, Lord, just put the right people in the right places to help out and to watch over all kids of all ages that they may have homes. Help us to be sensitive to your leading in those areas as well. Lord, Uh, in our nation and throughout the world we see lots of things taking place not just in our nation but throughout the world help us to proclaim the truth until you call us home that we proclaim it how we live and with what we say we love you lord and we thank you we thank you for your grace towards us we don't deserve we don't deserve anything but you have given us eternal life and forgiveness and brought us into your family. Help us to always remember your great love towards us. Help us to have that same love for all, all, all those that we come in contact with, those that we see on the news. But Lord, help us to stand up boldly and proclaim the truth with love. I ask that you'd bless each one as they go out today in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, thank you for protecting me as well in Jesus' name. Amen.
I'm serious. I was blind. 